Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mel Fabregas from Veritas at VeritasShow.com, coming to you with the latest Gulf of Mexico update, dated August the 12th, 2010. According to BP, the government and the mainstream media, the oil well has been capped. We are making an effort to make the story go away. However, this is just the beginning, at least for the people and the ecosystem they are leaving behind. Many people had their livelihoods ruined. But how about the lives that may be in jeopardy? Many listeners have written to me, telling me and asking why they could not understand the logic of why BP would be using this persons. What would they gain by hiding the oil? After covering this story since the beginning, I learned something yesterday. BP is fined $4,000 per barrel of oil recovered. Bear in mind, as of today, a barrel of oil is priced at $76. Could this be the reason why they don't want the millions of barrels that are missing to show up? Do you believe that the missing oil has decayed or simply has been consumed by microbes? Is this why international assistance was turned away every time? You decide. Today, we're back with James Fox, who referred us to analytical chemist Robert Neyman. You may remember Bob as the person who had a water sample explode while testing for oil. Remember, Veritas survives on your voluntary subscriptions only, which is what keeps this type of reporting alive. You can subscribe by going to VeritasShow.com. I hope you can also support James Fox as he continues to literally risk his life while covering the news for all of us on a daily basis. The airplane he was on almost crashed when it lost its engine yesterday while flying at only 150 feet above the water. I have included this bonus conversation at the end of the segment you are about to hear. He really did not want this information out, but I asked him to allow me to air it so that you know what he goes through pursuing the truth for all of us. Thank you. And now, let's go to Robert Naiman and James Fox for the latest update. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mel Fabregas from the Veritas Show. And today I'm going to give you a, another update from the Gulf of Mexico area. Right now we have here Bob Nyman, who has been... Uh, uh, by the way, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Bob, hello. Mel from Veritas Radio. Yes, hello, Mel. It is Nyman, Bob Nyman. I'm an anal- analytical chemist. Great. ACT Laboratory in Mobile, Alabama. Alabama, great. And uh, James Fox referred me to you. He is currently driving, folks, so he's going to be joining Bob in the next few minutes. But I wanted to uh, take advantage of uh, Bob's time so he can tell us what his findings have been uh, so far. What uh, samples were you provided, Bob, and what what were your findings? I was provided samples from uh, the from the Gulf Coast area. Uh, the first sample was a, a sample from uh, Orange Beach. And it was a water sample that we analyzed for petroleum hydrocarbons. Uh, James Fox went out in the, into the surf, took a water sample and a glass container, sent it to me. I tested that sample for total petroleum hydrocarbons, and I showed 8 point, uh, 8.0 parts per million of petroleum hydrocarbons in that sample. For the layman out there, can you please explain? It just means that if you're swimming in the surf at Orange Beach, you're swimming in water that's got eight parts per million petroleum in it. Now, how significant is that? Yes. Well, the, the, the amount of the only criteria I could, I could uh, 
equate to the situation here is the uh, the EPA has a, a regulatory amount of oil and grease that they allow in stormwater. That's in stormwater running off of a company or a facility, and that limit is 15 parts per million. So you're you're you, the 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 amount that we have is not does not exceed that limit, but generally in in most cases you rarely find more than three or four parts per million of petroleum hydrocarbons from the even the the biggest facilities in the, in stormwater. So when when that water reaches the the sewage treatment plant or the the storm drain and goes into a creek or a river, then you're putting in four four or five parts per million of of hydrocarbons, and um, this is maybe twice that. So this is water that you're going to swim in, and 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 the level is is twice what you typically find in stormwater. Now, Bob, is this as you said? Is this a level that is still accepted under EPA regulations? You know, there is no regulation for water that you swim in. There's no existing regulation for oil in that water. And that, that I'm aware of, or the EPA would even have a ruling or anything like that, they, they probably wouldn't. A lot of what's going on is, is unprecedented. So there is no criteria for swimming in water, you know, how, how, high, how, how, how high it could be. Um, and then I, I tested several other samples. Um, a couple of other samples were tested. A, a tarball uh, sample from, uh, from Orange Beach was also analyzed, and we were testing not for the petroleum compounds, but for benzene-type compounds. There are four compounds that are cyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and they belong to the benzene-type family. That test is called BTEX, which is benzene, toluene, ethylbenzene, and xylene. And that test uh, showed just a trace of one of the BTEC compounds in that, in that sample at 0.18 parts per million, 0.18. And there was, there was no detectable amount of benzene at all. But we did find a little bit of toluene in the sample. And the, the IUPAC nomenclature for benzene Toluene is very close to benzene. It's also known as methylbenzene because it has one functional group attached to it that makes it a little different from benzene, but the tolerance levels are much higher for toluene than are benzene. But they were testing for, they had us test strictly for benzene compounds, and only one of them showed up in, in a small quantity. So that's not really all that significant. Um, and then a couple of other samples were from um, Belt, Bell Pass, Louisiana, a water sample from Bell Pass, 100 yards offshore, and another sample was from uh, Barataria Bay in uh, Louisiana also. That's one quarter mile offshore. Both those samples were tested for a marker for Corexit, which is the um, the dispersant that's, that had been used uh, and is still, I guess, being used by BP in the, in the uh, oil cleanup process. Right. That, that dispersant the marker that we were looking for was propylene glycol. And in testing both of those samples, we tested down to a 20 part per million detection limit, and we didn't find any propylene glycol. So it, there's a good good chance that there there is no Corexit in that particular sample. And that's the Corexit that does contain propylene glycol. There are some other compounds that, are, that can be used as markers for Corexit, but that's the one that we decided to test for. So um, there's another 
2-butoxyethanol that we didn't test for that, that you know, could, could very well have been there um, in, in place of uh, propylene glycol, but there's no way to actually know. And that sample's been used up, so there's no more sample for, the, for that particular instance. The last sample we tested was a sand water sample uh, on, the, on the beach at Grand Isle, Louisiana. And this is where some oil had, had washed up on the beach, and we ran a petroleum hydrocarbons test just to see how high the uh, hydrocarbon content was in the sand. And it showed up very high, 97,087 parts per million, or almost about 9.7% of the sample was, was petroleum hydrocarbons. And that's a significant number. That means that somebody is going to be cleaning up that sand for a very long time, or it's going to, you know, it's going to take uh, eons for it to uh, decompose naturally. And I, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, that I've seen anything like that. But you know, it's it's a, just a sign of things to come. Because I, I did hear today that another large uh, uh, flow of oil washed up on the beach in Orange Beach. So, you know, it, it's apparently it's submerged and it's coming and it, uh, it you know, it's, it's just not going to go away. At the beginning of the conversation, I was a, a bit uplifted positively because of the concentrations not being as high as I expected them. However, for those people who are swimming, the children whose parents are allowing them to swim, what do you tell them? Is it safe for those those children to be swimming, to, for anybody to be swimming, even if it's a low concentration of oil? Is it safe? Yeah, you know, is, is it safe? You're asking me about toxicity and uh, about exposure to uh, a petroleum hydrocarbon. And mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I, would, I wouldn't let my two-year-old granddaughter, Mary Evelyn, I wouldn't let her swim in, in water like that. I wouldn't advise that anybody that's pregnant swim in that water or any female swim in that water. There's just too much, uh, too much exposure in, in, in everything you do when you swim. And if you're going to do it, if you have sores, open sores, I wouldn't swim. If you're uh, the elderly or any child under the age of six or seven, I wouldn't let them swim in it. Uh, I wouldn't swim in it myself. And can you imagine what the water looks like over in um, Grand Isle, Louisiana? where I showed 97,000 parts per million in the sand. That seemed to be the epicenter. Uh, When we started investigating this, I I had a conversation with the chief of police, and and that seems to be the place where the highest concentration of all these chemicals is, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's certainly the highest concentration of petroleum that I have seen in any sand sample since I've I've been analyzing these just in the last few months. But, you know... It it does sound dreadful now. It's going to be more dreadful when the the large quantities of submerged oil start to float up. And you know where is this oil right now? Well, I I think it's forty or fifty miles offshore, and all along the Gulf. And where is it going to show up? I think it's going to come everywhere. Everybody's going to get a good dose of it, unless some uh, environmental event happens, like uh, uh, some sort of a big weather front that pushes it further in, in one direction or another. But chances are every Gulf Coast area is going to have a large amount of submerged oil float up onto their, onto their shores, and it's going to float under every boom that's out there. And, and it, you know, it's going to be bad. 
So, Bob, what's your reaction to, say, Governor Christ from Florida, who says that it's perfectly safe to swim in the waters of, uh, of uh, the Gulf of Mexico? And uh, also, the EPA saying that it's safe to, to swim, it's safe to fish. Fishing is, is open for anybody. Now, I've heard that crabs are showing uh, oil around them in their larvae and so on. What do you tell those people that continue to say that this is this is totally normal and that the majority of the oil has first has disappeared, biodegraded, or been eaten by the microbes? I mean, I think it's underground. It's uh, at the bottom of the sea, dispersed by the Corexit. And I'd have to agree with you. I'm I'm very concerned about it. What would what would I say to the to the uh, governor of Florida? He um he may be may be uh, safe for the for the moment. And, you know, but I, I can promise you his state is going to get some contamination along the way and they're going to have to monitor it. Now's the time to be monitoring for oil because it's going to float in. And I have heard a report that about 50 miles out, there's a goop about 50 miles out. There's pretty blue water right on top. And then down below it is a dark material and somebody stuck a stick in it and the stick stayed. Now, I don't know what that is or what that even tells us, and I don't have any kind of backup on this report, and I don't have any, you know, I'm not trying to, to blow anything out of proportion, but, you know, if BP has has extracted all their workers and closed down all their monitoring and the boats that were looking for something are no longer looking for that, then they better do a bunch of aerial recons. They better really look out for what's going on, and it doesn't sound like they are. What I'm concerned about and most explicitly concerned about is the fact that BP doesn't want the oil to submerge, to, to come up to the top of the water. They want to keep it submerged because if it floats up to the top of the water, they've got to collect it. And they're in a situation where they're under a three, I'm sorry, a $4,000 per barrel fine from the EPA for every barrel they collect. So if they if they they're going to get charge $4,000 for an $80 barrel of oil, they're going to lose a bunch of money real quick. And, you know, they're just not, what they should do is, is go bargain with the EPA and say, look, you know, guys, give us a break. You know, how about a $500 fine or a $200 fine, or how about no fine? And we'll just clean it up. But to give them a, give them a, a, a situation like that, that's probably why they've submerged all the oil. And they think it's gone. It's not gone anywhere. Some of it has decomposed. A lot of people who are listening to you now probably didn't know of the fines that BP was getting, the 4000 per barrel fine. And now it makes it so obvious that this is the reason why they want to hide the oil at the bottom of the ocean. That's right. And if more people knew about that fine, they'd understand what they did. I mean, what would you do if you were going to get fined $4,000 for every barrel you collect? You'd turn away skimmer ships. You'd turn away help from other countries. You'd do exactly what they did. And you'd inject the, the Corexit right there at the wellhead where it was coming out. You know, I, I guess everybody on the planet saw the, the, the video showing the Corexit being, being jetted straight out into the spill so that by the time it got to the surface, it was already mixing with it. And, you know, where did it go? Well, it went mm -hmm. to the surface, but then it collected enough Corexit because they were they used quite a bit of it. Uh, it, it. It turned it into a, 
an emulsion that created a specific gravity that's greater than one, one, greater than the water. So the specific gravity of seawater is like 1.1 or 1.05, something like that. This stuff is heavier. So if it's heavier, it's not going to float. It's going to sink. And that's simple chemistry. It's simple science. But BP understood that, I think. And, you know, I'm as concerned about it as anybody that grew up on the Gulf Coast. I've got a really nice offshore fishing boat in my backyard that I bought three years ago, and I can't use it. Why? Why can't you use your boat? Well, I got a letter from uh, Yamaha that says you run your motors, your $18,000 motors in, in oil, and the warranty's gone. Right. And, you know, so that, that's a real problem for me. And, and this is, you know, the first boat I've ever had in my life. I bought a really good one, a nice one, a fast one, a big one. And, you know, I can't use a damn thing. So what's, what's, that, what's that mean to me as a, as a fisherman? It means I'm out of business. I'm not going to fish because I know what's going on with uh, the, the, the fact that this stuff is, is lethal to marine life, greater than two parts per million. And I have seen some cases where Corexit has been identified all around areas in, in Mobile, uh, apparently, they're going out at night between 11 and midnight, and they're spraying this stuff anywhere they see any oil anywhere. And apparently, it hadn't really, really happened in Mobile Bay yet, but it's coming. It's going to come to every shore, and it's going to show up in a submerged way, and you're, you're never going to see it. You're going to wake up the next day, and it's going to be on your shore. Just like what happened to Orange Beach to, uh, yesterday. The people in Orange Beach woke up this morning to oil. So you're saying, Bob, that this corrects it only temporarily keeps the oil down, and eventually it's going to rise, what you're saying? No, it doesn't eventually rise. It keeps it down ad infinitum until, it, it, until the nature sends it somewhere else. Um, the only reason it's coming into shore is, is, is because it's making its way like a, almost like an amoeba. It's, it's floating uh-huh. on, the, on, on the ground, and the current's dragging it in. And right. it's just going very slowly, and it's still submerged the whole time. But when it passes that boom that th- at, at 1,000 thousand feet, you've got a big boom up there. It flows right up under the boom, and it's going to hit the shore. And, you know, what's to stop BP from going right in the middle of the, of the sub- submerged um, emulsified oil and start to pump it? I mean, let, let them pump it out. But remember, every um, barrel that they pump costs them $4,000. So how much of that are they going to try to pump before it gets to shore? I mean, that's the big problem. What's going to happen when it gets to the shore? So basically, what you're saying is that BP is fighting for their survival. If they're hiding this, it's because they don't want to pay the $4,000 per barrel fine, which when you add, there's probably millions of barrels out there of oil at the bottom of the the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, Bob. Yeah, I think there's over 100 million barrels. That's just what I think, though. So what do you think this is doing to the, the uh, bottom of the floor? I mean, we have algae there that produces oxygen and all that ecosystem that's around it. Yeah, and I have I have seen some some photographs and some video of some uh, some areas right off of uh, south of of Gulf Shores Dolphin Island area. Uh. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats. 
downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.